morning, my name is Reverend Lauren Gerlach. So glad to be back with you again in this mini-series on the Nicene Creed and creeds in general. As you recall, we're lining these up with the sermon series. So we're pairing the Christology, the titles of Jesus Christ, as we study the scriptures of those, and we're inserting a bit of the creeds, the tradition, the history of our faith, and what that means for us. We talked about how creeds are really professions of faith. They are to be prayed, not just said. They're to be said together, prayed together. They're to be shared in this generational passing down the tradition of our faith. One question you might be asking is, who even writes the creeds? Is it someone just off in their library alone on a journal prompt and then presenting it forward to the church? No, not at all. This is a complete group project. So what that looked like in the early 300s, hundreds of people coming together usually religious leaders in a patriarchal society, bishops, men traveling from far and near in Asia Minor, gathering together in this one specific instance called the Council of Nicaea. Now it was summoned by the Emperor Constantine. He was a recent convert to Christianity and he had all of them bring all of their thoughts and their opinions and their positions on how we could outline the essentials of their faith. They sat there and they debated. You can imagine it was one opinion after another, one position after another, and they had a common goal. They want to decide what God's word says, what the tradition of the church ought to be and has been as it was handed down to them. Not too different from things we think about today. We all participate in traditions in one way or another. As they were summoning all of these bishops together, they sat down, they decided really important things like, Jesus is fully God and fully man. They decided things like the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit is to also be worshiped. That's just a glimpse into the huge topics that they were constantly going over. Thank goodness they did, because you and I today get to sit in these pews, come to this church, and recite creeds, the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, and we really stand on the shoulders of giants. We live out their tradition as they have handed it down. We're going to start this time a little different. I'm going to ask you to stand, and we are going to recite. Yeah, that's right. Stand up. Right in the middle of worship. You just got comfortable. We're going to recite this creed together. I want you to really pay attention to the words that we are saying. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made for us and for salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. In accordance with the scriptures, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, 
who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. As we continue this sermon series about names of Christ, I want to give you a little backstory of why. Why are we talking about Christ in so many different ways each week? Last week we talked about the Alpha and the Omega, right? This week we're focusing on the Lamb of God. I want to tell you, like, in my life, I have many different titles, right? Here, pastor. Outside of these walls, I'm mom, wife, friend, sister, football mom, which is a surprising title in my life. Um, But there's one title that takes me to each and every place I go, and that's beloved child of God. That's Christian. And so as we talk about the different names of Christ, it's to help you connect to the fullness of who Christ is in your life today. As I was studying for this sermon, I was thinking, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, humble, quiet, yet also Forgiving of our sins. That's the thing about Christianity. It's this both and thing, right? God is both ever present and in heaven, right? God is both just and full of grace. The Lamb of God is both humble and salvation. When I was little, I had this little lamb that um, would say a prayer. I don't know if you remember those. Like you squeeze it and it would say a nightly prayer. And it was very kind and comforting until the battery went out, right? And then it was like, dear God. And it was not, not, not kind and comforting, right? But that's what our God is and can be, is humble, meek, and pure. In scripture, we're going to start with John. John 1, 9, the Lamb of God. The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he declared, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? They looked at Jesus and they said, here he is, the mighty king, the lion. That's what I kept thinking when I was talking. Like, why not the lion? Why not this powerful, strong, kind of scary creature to come in? Why the lamb? Let's look in Exodus. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, the month, this month shall mark the beginning of your month, and it shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the tenth of this month they are to take a lamb for each family. A lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join to the closest neighbor in obtaining one. And the lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. The lamb shall be without blemish, a year old male. 
You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. The lambs were shared. Did you hear that? If your household is too small for a lamb, share it with your neighbor. This is Old Testament. This is sacrificial, daily. It's how they lived their life. But the community came together to do this. This isn't a gruesome act. This is a holy, kind connector of faith. The Lamb of God. Here's the hardest thing I always have to swallow as a Christian, is my center is God. All good things that happen in this world come through Jesus Christ. Because here's the deal, I like to think I'm pretty great. I like to think that when I'm doing great things, it's all about me, it's all about the hard work, it's all about the things I've studied and read and accomplished. Now, there's a part of that, right? Hard work is important. But when I step in front of God and put God behind me or aside me, I stumble. I fall. When I recognize that all of the goodness, the meekness, the pureness of the Lamb of God is up front, man, I soar. Not because of me. Because of the goodness, because of the kindness, because of the grace, because of the salvation. I went to a conference this week, and one of the speakers used this imagery, and I loved it. I'm not a big tea drinker. I kind of drink it in the winter when I you know, want to feel nostalgic. I'll have a cup of tea at night. My mom's a big tea drinker. And there's two ways, really, to make a cup of tea, right? You have the hot water. And you can take the tea and you can dip it, right? And make that tea brew a little bit faster. You just, you, you dip it and you dip it and you dip it and you dip it and you move and you move and you move. The other way is to put the tea bag in the cup of tea. Let it simmer. And as that happens, you see the water transform. You do nothing. It changes. It becomes tea, and then you drink it. I thought it was a great image of what we try to do in Christianity, right? We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to make it happen. We're going to go. We're going to make it faster. Yet, when we stand back and we recognize that God is doing the work, it's our job to participate in that. Great things happen. Great things happen. Those who know me well know I love Philippians. It's my favorite, favorite book in the Bible. And even in Philippians, it talks about the Lamb of God, yet in a different way. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. Being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. You see, I love thinking about connecting with God fully. The Lamb of God came into this world, not one to be mighty and fierce, but to be pure and sacrifice. You see, that scripture says death, even death on a cross, because there's dying, and then there's dying on a cross, emptying yourself fully to recognize the goodness. See, our God comes here to connect. Our God comes here to inspire. Our God comes here to remind us that we are also to be like the Lamb of God, adopting the heart and the mind of Christ Jesus. Martin Luther King had an amazing quote that I found this week. Talking about how we like to put ourselves first. It's our human nature. And he says this, keep feeling the need for being important. Keep feeling the need for being first. But I want you to be first in love. I want you to be first in moral excellence. I want you to be first in generosity. See, if we go back to the names, even like my titles in this world, to be first in kindness, I can take that anywhere. To be first in generosity, I can take that anywhere. To be first in love can walk into every room with me as long as I recognize who is before me. And it's the Lamb of God. It's pure and meek, yet strong and mighty. All good things come from God. I had the opportunity yesterday to do a, an earnment at the columbarium before our church. Those are always pure and holy moments for me. It was an interesting earnment because the man's name was Orville, but his whole life, he was a basketball player and his nickname was Killer. And so the family wanted me to refer to him as Killer. So I had this moment where I was like, okay. And so I'm like, dear God, please accept into the arms of your house and your home, K Killer, right? Yet in those moments, I look upon the family and there was the wife who was also grandma and there was the son and the daughter and their kids and they were friends. And we sat there and we did this, this ceremony, this holy moment, and I looked at them and they had both a smile and a tear. Isn't that the Lamb of God, right? Both a smile and a tear. And then I had a holy moment within it because um, Killer was placed right underneath one of my son's good friends, who was also a strong and mighty basketball player, just like Killer was. And I said, oh, you have, you have great company here. And it was amazing to think about how we can come together as a community, right? Even in Exodus, as a lamb, share the lamb with your neighbor. Come together and do this act. 
not because of you, but because of God. It's why on sad days we can also smile. It's both and the Lamb of God is our hope. The Lamb of God is our freedom. As long as we remember to put God first. That whatever title you might have is great and good. The child of God is the utmost title that you can carry on. And you've got to do that with both power and oomph and just exuberance for the Lord. Yet you've also got to be meek and humble and kind. And that balancing act we see in the Lamb. We see in the blood. We see in the salvation. So as you go forth this week, remind yourself that all goodness comes from God. I'm going to end with this scripture in Isaiah 53. It talks about who God is and who we can perceive him to be. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like the lamb to the slaughter. And as the sheep before the shears is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, through the, he had done no violence, nor was any dissent in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And through the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offering and prolong his days. And he, the will of the Lord, will prosper in his hand. And after he has suffered... He will see the light of the life, and he will be sanctified. By his knowledge, my righteousness servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out into his life into death and was numbered with transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That scripture has a tear in your eye and a smile on your face because that's how we can live out our lives fully, recognizing the humbleness and the purity of Christ. Will you pray with me? Dear gracious and loving God, as we go forth this week, we go forth perfectly created in your image. We go forth as lambs who are meek and pure, yet strong. We thank you for the many things that you have taught us. 
And in this, we lay our life before you and we center you in the middle of it so that all that we do and all that we are can glorify your holy name. We say this in your precious and holy name. Amen.